Hour number two of the Friday Rush. Parker Thune here in Norman. Travis Davidson up in Tulsa. I am at the Turn Grill at Westwood Park Golf Course. Travis, as he is every Friday, is at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa. Travis, why don't you tell us a little bit about Ash and uh, the spot that you've posted up at every Friday throughout the summer. Yeah, Ash Cigar Bar here at 42nd and Sheridan uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, right next to Fogan Bates. Um, nice cigar collection. they got a beautiful wine cellar, incredible allocated whiskeys right in front of me that I will have at 6.01 p.m. today once I hop off air. Um, TVs, uh, very, very comfortable seating, um, and great ventilation for a cigar spot. It's not like I'm having to wave through to see my uh, laptop so I can read the text line. Nothing like that. They're going to have their big OU fans here. They're going to have all the OU games on during the year. If you're looking for a spot where you want to sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and take in a sooner victory, um, then this is definitely going to be your spot. Right now they've got $3 uh, domestic draws. Um, and like I said, they've got uh, that allocated whiskey list uh, that is staring me down. The Air Comfort Solutions text line is available to you at 405-651-3439. Chime in with your thoughts and opinions throughout the show. Uh, let's go there right now, and let's try to spend a whole hour, if possible. And I know it's possible because this is all people want to talk about in August, but let's talk about fall camp for the Sooners. And let's talk about some of the guys that are standing out, expectations moving forward. And with that, uh, Travis, I want to talk about a question that we've gotten a couple times on the Air Comfort Solutions text line over the course of the show thus far. And I will give the floor to you uh, to give your first or to give your answer on the topic before I jump in with my thoughts. One listener asks us, what are y'all's win-loss floor-ceiling predictions for the season, and has that changed in the aftermath of Cale Gundy's departure? Thoughts? Okay, uh, it's a good question, first of all. I uh, appreciate you uh, diving in on the text line. This is a great way to get involved with the show. Um, you know what? I personally think as as fantastic of uh, a coach of Cale Gundy was, uh, as good of a you know winning history that he has had at the University of Oklahoma, I don't think there's a, a, a ton of drop-off in the wide receiver room, specifically because LaDamian Washington uh, has been fantastic. Um, with those guys played, you know, journeyman in the NFL, nothing but great things from from Gary Pinkle um, and old teammates of his at Missouri. Uh, I, I, I think the only thing that could affect my floor, literally the only thing that could affect my floor, is a Dylan Gabriel injury. If Dylan Gabriel gets injured, I think we could have maybe a floor of seven wins if Dylan gets injured. Now, ceiling, this is assuming that, Dylan Gabriel stays healthy. Absolute ceiling for me is a loss in the college football playoff. Um, that's that's where I'm at on it. I know there's a lot of new, but again, I run down this. I run down, okay, we get three out of our four toughest opponents at home. Toughest opponents in my mind uh, are Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. Oklahoma State and Baylor we get at the end of the season. Uh, so that's going to be nice. But uh, the schedule sets up really favorably for us. Uh, and 
We got. We should see defensive improvements. I honestly think we see offensive improvements as well because Levy's offense has outperformed Lincoln's offense uh, the last couple of years. So with that, and then here's the thing that's really the kicker for me, Jerry Schmidt. I think Coach Schmidt coming in, Schmitty, just raises the level across the entire roster of what the ceiling can be. I think you. I think you have to judge it like this. For the first step up for everything is the strength and conditioning that can raise the whole team. I think the next step is the offensive and defensive lines. If you have a great offensive line, which again can come from all that strength, and Bill Biedenbow's one of, if not the best in the country at it. If you have a great offensive line, that makes it easier for your wide receivers, makes it easier for quarterback, gives you holes for the running game, everything like that. It, it, it helps the second half. You can lean on those bodies and really limit possessions. When you go over to the defensive line, if, if you are getting to the quarterback, that makes life easier on the linebackers, makes life easier on the secondary. They don't have to cover for six seconds uh, if you don't have a pass rush. So with that, I think those things, I know the strength and conditioning is better, which raises the whole team. I know the offensive line play is going to be better because of that, and I know the defensive line, Todd Bates, is going to crank that up a notch. So when you list all those things, I think it's, I think it's hard to say that you know the ceiling is, is anything less than making the playoff. What are your thoughts? Well, here's what I'll say, and I, wanna, I just want to mention this before I dive into my floor ceiling. Uh, we've talked a lot about how Jerry Schmidt's return to Oklahoma is going to positively impact the Sooners. I don't see I don't see it being talked about near as much as far as how it will negatively impact Texas A&M. Because I think there's also a chance that that comes into play as well for the Aggies. And this is a team that's earning some preseason buzz. I believe they're in the uh, they're in the coaches poll top 10 if i'm not mistaken so this is a team that's entering the 2022 campaign with some really high expectations on the heels of signing the greatest recruiting class in the modern era the highest ranked recruiting class in the modern era so i am i i am very curious travis to see not just what kind of impact jerry schmidt's return to ou has for the sooners but also what kind of impact it has for the aggies now i'm with you I think the worst-case scenario for this team is you lose your starting quarterback in Dylan Gabriel. If that's the case, I still think they win eight games. I'll go, I'll go a little bit high. I'll one-up you. I'll say the floor is eight wins right now because I still think that with Brent Venables and the way that this defense is going to be clicking by the time the season rolls around, and I do believe they'll be clicking, they're not going to need to score 40 points a game in order to win anymore. That has kind of been the norm over the last few years, and that's what Sooner fans have become accustomed to. But at the end of the day, we're talking about arguably the greatest defensive mind in the modern era of college football in Brent Venables. And so there may be games where the Sooners can show up flat on offense and still eke out a victory because Venables' defense is just that good. And so I think more so because of my confidence in the defense than anything else, I think the floor for this team is eight wins. And I agree. I think the ceiling, if all goes well, if all goes according to plan, you end up in the college football playoff. I don't think Oklahoma is a national championship team in 2022. Of course, wouldn't I love to be wrong about that, Travis? I'm sure everybody listening would love for me yes, to be wrong. Uh, yes, prove that. both but of us wrong, just, please, please. <laughs> they don't. They don't have the star power, at least not yet, 
to go toe-to-toe with the likes of Alabama and Ohio State. And it's not going to be long before they're there. That's the thing. We've heard Teddy Lehman say Oklahoma's going to win a national championship within three years, and that's a, it's a bold prediction. I don't think it's a terribly far-fetched prediction. In 2022, though, I do believe the ceiling is the college football playoff. The floor is probably eight wins. I would be surprised, very surprised, if it's any better or any worse. So much comes down to the health of Dylan Gabriel. If he's banged up, not even if he's, it's one thing if he's out of action, sure. But if he's banged up, that could impact this team's ability to move the ball offensively as well. What we tend to forget about Jeff Levy as a play caller is that he actually leans towards the run more so than the pass. So the Sooners are going to pound the rock. They've got four backs that are going to factor in at some point in Eric Gray, Javante Barnes, Gavin Sawchuk, and Marcus Major. I don't think you're going to see all four of those dudes getting double-digit carries in week one, but it's going to be the type of deal where you're going to have you have those four guys, you have Bentavious Thompson, you have Tawi Walker, who has turned some heads as a walk-on JUCO transfer. Those guys are really going to be engaged in a mano-a-mano battle with one another over the first three, four weeks of the season in order to earn a greater share of the touches going forward. And it's going to be pivotal. It's going to be a pivotal time for all of those guys to prove that they're better than the guy next to them because once that depth chart becomes firmly established, and I think it will once conference play kicks off, you're going to have to do a lot. You're going to have to do quite a bit to supplant the guy in front of you. So I don't have a clear answer right now as to who ends up with the majority of the carries in Oklahoma's backfield in 2022. I would probably lean towards Eric Gray. I was probably leaning more towards Javante Barnes at the end of spring ball, but Barnes has been a little bit banged up here uh, to start fall camp, and that's not to say it's going to be a lingering issue going into the season. But I think Gray is the safest bet to earn the majority of the carries one way or another. The Sooners are going to run the ball a lot. And this is another thing that I'm not sure that we have talked about enough, Travis. I think Jeff Levy is going to be able to play with a lead a whole heck of a lot better than the old guy did. Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I've, I brought it up before, and I want to bring it up again. Um Jeff Levy in the Ole Miss offense last year was 11th in the country in rushing attempts. Um, he, you know, again, th- three the three service academies are always one, two, and three on that list. Uh, but, I mean, 11th in the country in rushing, and part of that has to do, because I think a lot of us, when we were looking at when Levy came in, we saw, what did we see? Hashtag score from far. Hashtag dime time. Uh, you know, we saw when comparing the wide receiver stats from Oklahoma last year to Ole Miss last year, we saw that the, the wide receivers got a lot more targets, you know, a lot more targets. I think their leading receiver had, I think, triple the catches of our uh, uh, of our leading receiver. So I think a lot of people got lulled into that, hey, you know, they're going to go fast and they're going to throw the ball over the yard. Well, that's kind of half true. They're going to go fast. They were second in pace last year, only behind Tennessee, um, and they were, but they were 11th in running the ball, so uh, 52nd in pass attempts. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to protect the lead because that's what that's that's what you do in the second half to protect the lead. You run the damn ball. 
So uh, I, I totally think he's going to do that. Got a bevy of backs. Um, that's why you keep on seeing, you know, transfers and, and preferred walk-ons and just so many people in that room because last year uh, in Ole Miss's offense, they had four people that had over 100 carries. Now, one of those obviously was Matt Corral. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, I don't believe, is going to have over 100 carries. So those carries are going to go to somewhere. Uh, I think we have at least three running backs with over 100 yards. Uh, I don't think you're going to have or over 100 carries. I apologize. Uh, maybe two um, around 130, 150 carries, and then one maybe around 60, 70 carries. That's possible as well. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see a situation like Kennedy Brooks last year who had 198 carries, and then it was a steep drop-off after that. Now, how much of the running back's ability uh, to find holes, find space, and keep the chains moving, and how much of Oklahoma's ability to play with a lead and to protect a lead is going to depend upon the play of the offensive line? Let's get into the offensive line next segment here on the Friday Rush. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson, some very, very encouraging things that we are hearing coming out of fall camp about the offensive line group in particular. For those of you listening yesterday, I'm sure you heard what Teddy had to say about the offensive line. I've heard a lot of the same things. A lot of really encouraging reports with regard to many of these offensive linemen that are going to be in the fold for Oklahoma. Not just with the first team, not just your starting five, but the backup group as well, the second team. The Sooners are going to be deep with very capable offensive linemen. So we'll dive into the picture and how that's going to impact Oklahoma's ability to move the football in 2022 coming up next stay with us it's the ref home of sooner fans the rush rolls on right here on the ref the home of sooner fans across the state of oklahoma on the ref sports radio network parker thune here in norman at westwood park golf course the turn grill joined by travis davidson out there in tulsa as he is every friday from ash cigar bar and heading into the break last segment travis I teased a conversation I want to have about the offensive line. And Teddy Lehman was just here a couple hours ago uh, dropping off the equipment for us to set up uh, and do this show because we got we got our staff all across the state today. Josh Helmer was on remote. Obviously, you're on remote, Travis. So we're, we're juggling headsets, uh, juggling Comrexes. And so Teddy drives over here with the equipment and drops it off. And we're standing there by his car chatting about the offensive line and teddy told me look uh from everything that i've observed at practice and people i've talked to the sooners have about 10 offensive linemen that they feel really really confident in and that doesn't shock me at all travis based on some of the things that i've heard coming out of camp as well because i've said for a while i expect the starting five to be anton harrison a left tackle mccade mattire left guard andrew raymond center Chris Murray at right guard, and then Wanye Morris at right tackle. But, man, Jacob Sexton is turning some heads. Jake Taylor's turning some heads. Savion Bird has been really good. I continue to hear some very complimentary reports about guys like Marcus Alexander and Tyler Guyton. So as you think about the complete picture on this offensive line, Travis, and Teddy said on the air yesterday, that the offensive line could be Oklahoma's best position group, top to bottom. I'm not sure I would disagree with that. And I, I almost think if you're an Oklahoma fan, Travis, you're hoping that's true. 
because strong play in the trenches sets the table so flawlessly for your offense as a whole. They're going to be gaping holes. They're going to be wide open spaces for your running backs. Dylan Gabriel's going to have all day to throw in the pocket. If you think back to some of the most prolific offenses that Oklahoma has ever had, whether that's 2008, 2017, 2018 as well, the Kyler Murray year, there's always a common denominator, and it goes somewhat understated. The common denominator is elite offensive line play, Travis. Yeah, and, and there's a, I think there's a couple ways to look at this, right? Uh, and I think Sooner fans are going to look perhaps one specific way at this comment of the offensive line being the best unit on the team. I think they're going to look at last year and say, oh, man. If the offensive line is the best unit on the team, then everybody must have taken a step back. When I don't think that's obviously the case. I mean, we've heard fantastic things, you know, not only from Teddy, but, you know, in the OU Insider Board, everything like that. Like, it's been very well sourced. And this isn't just sunshine pumping. This isn't just your traditional off-season, oh, yep, everybody looks good. Everybody put on good weight. Everybody's moving really well. Everybody had a good summer. Like, this isn't just your your typical fodder like that. Um, what what this is is a strength and conditioning program that knows how to build offensive linemen, and that's what we haven't had the last couple of years. So here's the thing: when you look at offensive line play, I look at two things: technique, and I, and I look at strength. Just just manhandling your opponent. Too many times last year. We couldn't blow anybody off the ball. We were getting stopped on short runs. We couldn't pick up short yardage situations, things like that. Well, after discussions with Andrew Rame and Jacob Taylor and Jake Sexton, all these guys, they're saying, look, you know, last year, you know, I, w- nobody could bench over 330 pounds, or two, only two people could. Well, now the, everybody can. Everybody can, and they're putting on fantastic strength. Jake Taylor said that, he was he was holding at 25% body fat and put on what 10 pounds of muscle, uh, and and on a on a frame like that where he's already big and strong, I mean that kind of stuff in a short amount of time in six months is absolutely fascinating and it's great news if you're a Sooner fan because if you can if you can get that strength of blowing guys off the ball, you can start to play with a bit more of that attitude that we saw from. The 2017, the 2018 teams. That 2018 team, of course, won the Joe Moore Award given to the nation's best offensive line. So you can't tell me that the guy that coached that team all of a sudden forgot how, or coached that line, forgot how to coach offensive line. All he needed was the right ingredients. So he's had the talent, but the right ingredients is when they get there, they gotta be, they gotta be strong. They gotta be able to, uh, to blow some people off the ball. And that's why I'm so excited because it's deep. And I truly believe that Biedenbo is back in his bag, if you will. I wonder how much I would have to pay Jerry Schmidt to get him to be my personal trainer because wouldn't I love to be able to bench pet press 330 pounds? It's kind of astonishing to hear that put out in the open that there were only a couple Oklahoma offensive linemen last year that could hit the 330-pound benchmark, no pun intended. But to hear Andrew Rame and Sexton and Taylor and all those guys affirm that, hey, everybody's stronger this year. 
we don't have a weak link in that group, and we're going to be blowing people off the ball because we're so much stronger. That's a tremendous encouragement. And like we were saying last segment, Travis, one thing the Sooners have been unable to do over the past couple years, and you saw it rear its ugly head one too many times last year in particular, the Sooners haven't been able to play with a lead, at least not consistently. They have not been able to keep the foot on the gas, and that has as much to do with the play up front on both offense and defense as anything. Because it's not just about strength, it's also about conditioning. I think back to that two-lane game last year as a perfect example. The Sooners got tired, and it was a hot day. Don't get me wrong. That was a hot day in Norman, America. But Tulane kept getting stronger and stronger as the game progressed. So you got deeper and deeper into that second half in particular, and the Sooners got weaker and weaker. And up front, whether it was offensively or defensively, the Sooners were getting manhandled by a team that they had no business getting manhandled by. So as long as that's fixed and all indications are that it will be under Jerry Schmidt, you'd have to figure that Oklahoma is going to display a much improved ability to play from ahead, which should be a pretty easy thing to do, Travis. But you would figure that the Sooners are going to have a much easier time playing with a lead in 2022 as opposed to years past. Yeah, and and, and don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I... I totally think that we had the talent last year. Again, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, dunk on any of those guys. I think we absolutely had the talent, but you've got to have the bodies to go with it. And and you can see kind of that kind of smug confidence uh, when Andrew Rame speaks. Uh, obviously, when when McCade gets on, you know, when when they're doing interviews and things like that, they are extremely excited about this season and when you have that confidence of blowing dudes off the ball pushing you want to take the other man's will and that's what this uh, that's what an offensive line a well-equipped offensive line can do and again to your point earlier it's it makes everything better the strength and conditioning raise it once you get in the trenches wide receivers they seem to have all kinds of time to get open the quarterback stays upright keeps his jersey clean and they can get holes for the running backs and leaning on those guys. And that's what's important about that depth, right? If you can put in a Tyler Guyton, if you can put in uh, a Savion Bird, uh, if you can let big old Bray Walker go lean on somebody, you can get those defenders who have already been gassed. You start leaning on them late, then you put in that bowling ball, Tawi Walker. You put in Marcus Major, you know, big, strong guy, and just make them pay for it. A lot of folks weighing in on the Air Comfort Solutions sex line, 405-651-3439 with their thoughts and opinions. Hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line if you would like to weigh in and get your text read on the air. A lot of folks asking about the secondary in particular. So let's flip sides of the football, and let's discuss the secondary when we get back from a quick break here. This is the ref, Homa Sooner fans, Parker Thune, and Travis Davidson rolling along with you here on the Friday Rush. Keep it here. Midway through hour two of the rush, Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you on the ref, Homa Sooner fans. I'm at Westwood Park Golf Course here in Norman. Travis is up in Tulsa at Ash Cigar Bar. Air Comfort Solutions text line available to you, 405-651-3439. That's 651-3439. 
Now, Travis, let's jump into the secondary here as we continue to talk fall camp in Norman, America. The University of Oklahoma is about two weeks deep in a camp. We're now just over three weeks to the season opener, which will be against UTEP on September 3rd. And Sooner fans' first opportunity to see Brent Venables coach a real, competitive, meaningful football game as head coach at the University of Oklahoma. So uh, as we look at the secondary picture, Travis, there are a lot of questions. There are. And I think the most encouraging thing about the picture right now is that those questions don't necessarily revolve around how good the secondary is going to be because I think there's a ton of belief that they're going to be excellent. It's just a matter of who's going to beat out who. Kind of like the conversation that we were having uh, about the offensive line and the reality that Bill Biedenboe is going to have a lot of healthy competition with his group. It seems like that's going to be the case with both the safeties and corners at Oklahoma as well. You can almost certainly pencil in Woody Washington as one starting cornerback, but uh, there's a lack of clarity as to who starts opposite him. There's some healthy competition for the starting nickel spot. And then at safety... I think we have. There are some guys that I would pinpoint as likely starters, but again, you can't take anything for granted with this group because it doesn't seem like, at least through two weeks of fall camp, that anybody has really separated themselves from the rest. So, Travis, I want to give you an opportunity to just take stock of this defensive backfield as a whole. Who are some of the guys that uh, you're looking forward to seeing in action, and some of these players that you believe? Uh, can emerge to have significant roles in the back end of the Oklahoma defense this year. Yeah, well, well, I think I think we can both agree that Woody Washington is probably the only one that's truly locked in uh, to their starting role. Uh, I, I don't think anybody can supplant him at this point. Uh, I I do think it's interesting to see who's going to take that other spot because I really like uh, Kenai Walker in that place, uh, but. You know, we're hearing great things about Joshua Eaton. Uh, he's long. Uh, he's he's physical. Uh, you know, I know he got I know he got Moss last year in a big moment, but you know, he was in position. Um, yeah. So w- with that, Key Lawrence and and Billy Bowman, you hear a lot about in the safety position, and and I think it, it's kind of whether you're a uh, whether you're an optimist or a pessimist to determine how you how you. Uh, how you take the whole well there's not a lot of separation does that mean that everybody's really good and that we've just got so much talent in the you know in the secondary that a lot of these guys could start or are you concerned that it's oh man we were really hoping that you know key lawrence would have separated by now we well we really hope billy bowman would have separated by now we really hoped that somebody would have separated themselves from the competition uh, across from Woody Washington. So it really just depends on your outlook uh, on the team. But we we brought in a lot of transfers uh, on that side of the ball. Uh, You know, you think of C.J. Colden coming from Wyoming, who's known as as a big hitter. Um, You've got Trey Morrison, who has more starting experience, actually game-time starting experience, I believe than anybody on OU's defense. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that's right though. So you, that's a guy who has a ton of game experience and has been productive 
And that's, you know, that's not a guy that, that's going to come to a school and be like, you know what, I've been a starter for so long at North Carolina, I think I can't wait to go ride the bench at Oklahoma. Uh, so I think you're going to see a lot of guys play, a lot of guys play early. I don't think it's a situation where you're totally going to see a Grinch outlook of rotating like crazy. But I think that the, it might go into the season a bit of really, really, I don't know, shoring up and, and, and solidifying those those starter roles but for my money i really like Kanai walker uh, on the other side i know louisville was very high on him uh you know coming over they didn't want to burn his red shirt actually so they held him out of the bowl game uh they really really were were looking forward to what he might do so i like him opposite uh, of woody but in the secondary the safety position it it has to you have to have some star power there in my opinion uh, if you're going to compete uh, this year with with the downfield uh, attack of some of these teams are going to employ. So, uh, yeah, those are my kind of thoughts on it. Here's the way I look at it. Every team in college football has at least one excellent wide receiver. I wouldn't go as far as to say elite, but every team has one guy at the wide re- receiver position that is their meal ticket. And so strong play in the secondary, for me, starts with having a guy that you can line up opposite whoever the opponent's best receiver is and know that he's going to power them down. And I think the Sooners have that guy in Woody Washington. They've had that guy in Woody Washington for going on three seasons now, but he's had issues staying on the field. He's had issues staying healthy. And so assuming he doesn't miss any time in 2022, I think you're going to see Oklahoma drastically improve in the secondary, and it starts with the play of Woody Washington. I will say this, and I said it in my uh, team notes drop on the OUinsider.com VIP board this morning. I have heard some really, really good things about one Jaden Davis, and that is not at all shocking when you consider that when Jaden Davis was coming out of high school as a prospect, his recruitment ultimately came down to Oklahoma and Clemson. Brent Venables and that Clemson defense, that was a very attractive option to Jaden Davis, but ultimately the fit at Oklahoma won out. That said, Jaden Davis played his best ball at the University of Oklahoma as a freshman, and it wasn't close. He was a revelation as a true freshman. But it seems as though over the past two seasons, you've seen a steady decline in both the level of his play and the amount of snaps that he has garnered in the defensive backfield for Oklahoma. So if Jaden Davis is a rejuvenated individual in Brent Venable's defense, and everything I have heard indicates that is the case, I am really excited about what he could do in 2022. I will also say this, that guy would not be at Oklahoma right now if the Sooners' next head coach after Lincoln Riley had been anybody other than Brent Venables. Jaden Davis had about seen enough at the University of Oklahoma. And for where he was at this time last year, and especially last November, the end of the regular season when everything was going down uh, behind the scenes in preparation for Lincoln Riley's departure for USC, leading into the week where he ultimately did depart and Oklahoma was without a head coach for seven days, With where Jaden Davis was at at that point in time, it was quite understandable that he would start to look for a change of scenery, and that almost became the case for Jaden Davis. But Venables has been as much of a breath of fresh air for Davis as anybody, and I'm very confident that he's going to see the field a lot. Two guys uh, 
in particular among the secondary uh, that I have heard are going to play and play quite a bit in 2022 are Jaden Davis and Justin Royals. And I love that, Travis, because those are two guys that you can't help but root for, right? They have been through the ringer at Oklahoma. Broyles is one of two remaining players from Bob Stoops' final recruiting class in February of 2017. It's literally him and Casey Kelleher, the long snapper. So if there are two guys amongst that secondary group that are real easy to root for, it's Jaden Davis and it's Justin Broyles. Yeah, and 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 Justin Broyles obviously uh, gets gets a bad shake because he was thrown into an impossible situation uh, in that in that peach the Peach Bowl massacre. Uh, but it's you know I I, I like that I like that Jaden Davis is is kind of back on track. It was so exciting watching him show out as a true freshman, and we really thought. I mean, we've been through. We've been through some years of this, like, oh, man, this is the year the defense puts it together. I can feel it, man. We, you know, we brought in Ruffin McNeil. This is really going to turn us around. We brought it, you know what I mean? Like, we've we've heard it, we've heard it, we've heard it. But Jaden Davis was one of those bright lights where you thought, hey, this is, uh, this is a situation where we might actually be seeing something that's a bit more tangible. So... I think I think one of the things that I like about this roster and specifically the secondary right now is you're starting to see some size come back, right? Woody Washington's obviously five eleven, um, you you know one ninety three. He's nobody nobody sees him as small though by any means. There's a lot of NFL guys that are five eleven uh, that uh, that do really well. But I mean, you got Joshua Eaton at six one, RSJ six one. Uh, you've got. Uh, um, DJ Graham, six foot, Key Lawrence, six one, Bryce Washington, six two. I can go down the list. I think we have fourteen defensive backs that are six foot or taller. Uh, so I think I think we're at least going in the right direction of getting the right bodies. Then you look at a guy like a Justin Harrington. Justin Harrington has been wildly impressive, uh, according to many people. Uh, so especially when you look at he was you know going to leave the team, enter the transfer portal, and then he was wanting to come back. He, he was waiting on that, you know, the, that BV offer in order to come back. And then he walked on, and uh, that's a guy that I expect to contribute a ton. That's the body type that you really want, and that's what we were so excited for, the measurables when he came in. Uh, tell me what you've heard about Justin Harrington. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's one of those situations, Travis, where I've heard enough about Justin Harrington over the years to take everything with a grain of salt until I see it on the football field. But, man, it really does seem like that is a guy that has stewarded his second chance about as well as you could have asked him to steward it. And I know for a fact that he is – and when I asked Brent Venables about him the other day in Venables – press conference and bv said look we're working him at multiple positions love his versatility not a lot of guys have that Uh, but i i have it on good authority that justin harrington is very much in the mix to start at that nickel cheetah position a lot of folks wondering about the cheetah position a lot of folks also wondering about the younger guys in that secondary group rsj gentry williams Jaden Rowe, jamari and burt let's take a quick break here on the friday rush and we'll get to some of those questions on the air comfort solutions text line on the other side 405-651-3439 is where you can chime in parker thune travis davidson here with you on the ref we're the home of sooner fans back with you on the rush parker thune travis davidson 
We're the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. Top of the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to hear from Josh Pate, host of 24-7 Sports' The Late Kick. He had some interesting comments last night regarding Oklahoma recruiting. If you've been following the Sooners on the recruiting trail, boy, have they been hot throughout the months of June and July. So we'll hear Pate's thoughts. Travis and I will react, we'll discuss, but that will come your way at the top of the hour. For now, Travis, I want to keep talking about the secondary because we have a 1,000 questions on the Air Comfort Solutions text line about this group. Uh, Doc asks, do we anticipate RSJ, Gentry, or J-Row to contribute on the field this season or more likely redshirt? Here's, here's the stance I take on it, Travis. From what I hear about those three, I think the one with – the most likely i think of the three i think the one that's most likely to make a year one impact is robert spears jennings just based on who's ahead of him based on who's in competition with him and based on the physical tools that he has at his disposal i love rsj as a prospect love what he brings to the table and long term i think he's going to be an all-conference type of player at the university of oklahoma you could see him on the field quite a bit in the fall for Jaden rowe this is a guy that i foresee having a pretty significant role on special teams because is he in a position to jump in right away at that nickel at that cheetah and play a significant role defensively? Probably not, especially with Justin Harrington continuing to emerge. But when you're 6'2", 220 and can run like Jaden Rowe can run, you're going to be able to play special teams and play it pretty dang well. So I think J. Rowe is going to have a pretty significant impact in that facet of the game in year one. Gentry Williams, I don't know about. That's kind of the wild card for me because you got to keep in mind he's less than two years removed from an ACL tear. Now he's regained a ton of that speed. Uh, he's back to full health, back to full strength. Uh, but when you look at those cornerbacks in particular, and we talked about quite a few of them last segment, Gentry's going to have to really shine in fall camp, and he's going to have to really shine in whatever action he gets against UTEP and Kent State if he wants to supplant guys like DJ Graham, Joshua Eaton, CJ Colden, even somebody like Jaden Davis, uh, and start to earn regular time in the rotation in the secondary yeah i mean obviously you know it's it's been repeated over and over i'm a 918 guy and boy did i love the class last year uh bringing in gentry williams and and rsj and jro it's it's nice because i've been able to watch them in high school in person and really get a feel for how they stack up even against each other when they were playing each other in the playoffs um, uh, especially when it came down to RSJ and J. Rowe. Here's the thing. You talk about Jaden Rowe uh, being able to shine on special teams. I can't even imagine having that guy running full steam at me at his size. I mean, that guy is going to be 220. Uh, he'd be running probably at that weight. He could still run about a 10-4, uh, if not under. Uh, yeah, that guy is going to light some people up. Uh, if he's given the opportunity, a lot of a lot of automatic, uh, you know, Tebow style, uh, mule shoe style, automatic fair catches, hand in the air. Uh, once it once it leaves the foot, if Jaden Rowe is on the field, but I I couldn't agree more on the RSJ take the Robert Spears Jennings. He's got the body. Uh, he's he's played in coverage a ton. Uh, he's got ball skills. I mean, he played both ways at Broken Arrow, uh, and. 
and, and he's working at it. Every time you see a picture of him, he's in the gym. He's bulked up big time, and he was already big for being in the secondary. And I think you bring up a great point of if you look at who's ahead of him. Because much like when we do our schedule predictions or our record predictions, I say, I always say, look at the schedule. Look at who you play. Do not tell me USC's getting beat by Oregon this year because USC doesn't even play Oregon this year. You know, I, I want to see those those type of arguments. And that's what this argument is, is you got to look at the, you know, quote-unquote schedule that RSJ will have to overcome to get onto the field, and that is the depth chart. I think that he is in the best position to climb that depth chart. And keep in mind, when it comes to Gentry, he got there later uh, than these guys. He was not an early enrollee. Uh, I know he had kind of discussed it, but, you know, when that when, when the news hit, you know, he had pushed back his commitment day, pushed back his signing, or pushed back his signing. He was still committed, but pushed back his signing and, and got there in the summer. So keep in mind, he will have, I, I think he's got a huge future at Oklahoma. Uh, he's an extremely gifted athlete, very smart kid, uh, good kid, not going to be getting in trouble. But I think RSJ, with getting there as an early enrollee and really putting on uh, solid weight already as at the All-American game, the Under, um, All, Under Armour All-American game, he won the speed contest, ran, you know, 4-4 four, four something. Uh, that guy's kind of got it all, and he is hell-bent on getting on that field. All right, that does it for hour number two here on The Rush. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson, halfway home. We're with you until 6 p.m. I'm at the Turn Grill here at Westwood Park Golf Course in Not- Norman. Excuse me. Travis is up in Tulsa at Ash Garbar. Lots more to come. We'll hear from 24-7 Sports' Josh Pate next on the state of Oklahoma recruiting. Stay with us. It's the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans.